This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome back to the first alhamdulillah rabbil alamin. We took a break so that we could have the series for those left behind. I pray that it was beneficial to you all. I hope that inshallah ta'ala you uh, gained from it and it gave you a lot of perspective and also some practical tips on how to grieve and grow. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on our loved ones and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to develop that perspective and that purpose and that thrust towards pleasing Him so that we may join our loved ones around our most beloved one sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and jannat al-firdaus, Allahumma ameen. So here we are back to the first as promised inshaAllah ta'ala. We're going to try our best to knock out 40 episodes before Ramadan, inshaAllah ta'ala. We'll see if we're able to succeed in doing so. But bin ta'ala will continue at some point after Ramadan as well. Now, as I come to the biography today, uh, this is sort of an outlier in the sense that the person that we're covering today is not one of those first 15 or 20 or even 25 to accept Islam. Um, but her son, as Zubair ibn al-Awwam, is one of the first to accept Islam. And as I was looking at the story of Zubair anhu, I realized that you really cannot appreciate the story of Zubair unless you really know and appreciate the biography of his mother, who we're talking about today, Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib because she is an extraordinary figure. She is very unique and her personality is so prominent in the personality of Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu and her uh, her influence on Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu just comes out through almost all of the heroic episodes that we find in the life of Zubair ibn Awam radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So I decided to start with the mother and inshallah ta'ala we're going to talk about Safiya then we will talk about Az-Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu separately. Then we will talk about Asma bint Abi Bakr radiallahu anha wa an abiha, the wife of Az-Zubayr, Asma, the daughter of Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with her. We'll talk about her inshallah ta'ala and each one of them requiring their own episode. And as I always say, we cannot do justice, subhanAllah, especially when you're talking about Al-Ashr al-Mubashireen, the 10 promised paradise. Az-Zubayr radiallahu anhu could be 10 lectures all by himself you, you haven't even started talking about his sons, uh, Abdullah, Urwa. There's so much to talk about here. But let's start with the mother, inshallah ta'ala. And when we start with Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, I actually wish I could have a live crowd in front of me because I like to do this test with my students. How many uncles of the Prophet Sallallahu and aunts of the Prophet Sallallahu can you name? Okay, so I want you as you're with me to think about that. What are the names that come to mind? And I'm gonna imagine that I have my live audience right in front of me. And the first one that'll come up will either be Hamza radiallahu anhu or Abu Talib or Abu Lahab, right? Those are the three that are most prominent in the seerah of the Prophet The fourth one, Al-Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu as well, right? So if you go through the four most famous uncles of the Prophet again, Abu Talib, Abu Lahab, uh, Al-Abbas, and of course, Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But what if I was to tell you that the Prophet Sallallahu had about 12 uncles, okay? Not even getting to his aunts, 12 uncles um, in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, Some of the scholars say there were 10, 11, or 12, 
but it's a lot of uncles. And remember, the father of the Prophet ﷺ was to be sacrificed, right? That's a whole story. Abdullah, the father of the Prophet ﷺ, was to be sacrificed, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protected him as he protected Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made of him a great nation. So who are the uncles of the Prophet ﷺ? These are the sons of Abdul Muttalib. First and foremost, you have, of course, Abu Talib. And Abu Talib's real name, because if you remember when we went through the life of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we talked about how Abu Talib had an incredible naming scheme. Okay, Abu Talib named his sons with great meanings and his daughters with great meanings. But Talib is his oldest son, so he's Abu Talib. His real name was Abdi Manaf. Okay, so Abu Talib is Abdi Manaf, which of course is a common ancestor when we talk about many of these great tribes in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Abdi Manaf is Abu Talib. Then you have Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Al-Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Abu Lahab of course, and Abu Lahab's name was Abdul Uzza, Abdul Uzza. So Abu Lahab's actual name is Abdul Uzza. Now who are the other uncles? You have an uncle of the Prophet Sallallahu by the name of Az-Zubair, all right? which gives you some insight into the namings. You start to see that aside from the name Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, most of these names are found in the uncles and the aunts and then they're transferred to the children. So he has Az-Zubair as one of his uncles. He has Al-Harith as one of his uncles. Al-Mughira, Al-Muqawwim, Dirar, Quthum, and Mus'ab, okay? Um, Quthum, of course, was also the, the name of a famous son of Al-Abbas Okay, so Al-Abbas and of course his wife, Lubaba, Umm Al-Fadl they had their son Quthum So a lot of these names are common in the seerah, but we don't know much about the uncles of the Prophet wasallam except the four that I mentioned because of how prominently uh, they, they featured. Most of these uncles, of course, uh, passed away before Islam even came to be, before the Prophet ﷺ received revelation. And we know that the only two of them that embraced Islam with certainty are Al-Abbas and Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Okay, so those are 11 uncles um, of the Prophet ﷺ. And some of the scholars say there is a 12th um, as well. Then you have the aunts of the Prophet ﷺ, the paternal aunts of the Prophet and their names are Safiya, of course, who we're going to talk about today. Then you have Umm Hakim, then you have Atika, and then you have Umayma, and then you have Arwa, and then you have Barwa. So these are the six aunts of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, the only aunt of the Prophet ﷺ that we know embraced Islam without a doubt is Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib radiallahu ta'ala anha. So of the uncles and aunts of the Prophet sallallahu all of them that I've listed here, 17 of them, the three that we are certain embraced Islam are Hamza al-Abbas and Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib. May Allah be pleased with them. Uh, the scholars also mention Atika and Arwa as having embraced Islam. Uh, Arwa, uh, scholars like uh, Imam Ibn Abdul Bar rahimahullah ta'ala actually establishes it authentically that Arwa as well accepted Islam. So uh, if Atika and Arwa embraced Islam as well, the aunts of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, what we know is that the only one of the aunts of the Prophet Sallallahu who with certainty embraced Islam and then featured prominently in the seerah is the woman that we are speaking about tonight, 
Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib radiyallahu ta'ala anha. And there are a few reasons for that. The most obvious of them is her age. Safiya was only a year older than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And some of the scholars say the exact same age as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So she was born in 569 or 570 at the same time as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So there's the age, uh, the closeness of her age to the Prophet sallallahu um, So she's the last of the girls. She also was very close to Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who Hamza of course was the same age as the Prophet sallallahu We'll talk about Hamza uh, ibn Abdul Muttalib. Uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, of course, in his, his own uh, episode, his glorious uh, biography. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him. So you've got Safiya and Hamza being around the same age as the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. So Safiya grew up with the Prophet sallallahu She was, even though she was his aunt, she's really more like his, uh, his sister alayhi salatu wasalam. And the thing that she is most prominent for in terms of her family relations is her closeness to Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now they were born within a year of each other and Safiya, you know, you find her biography revolves around Hamza radiallahu anhu as much as it revolves around Az-Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu, her own son. So she loved Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib uh, greatly. Then you have the connection of Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam from her husband's side. So the first person that she married was a man by the name of Al-Harith ibn Harb. And that is also the father of uh, Abu Suf- uh, the, the brother of Abu Sufyan. So Al-Harith ibn Harb is the older brother of Abu Sufyan. So she was initially Abu Sufyan's uh, uh, sister-in-law. And then he passed away, Harith ibn Harb passed away. And she married Awam ibn Khuwaylid. Awam ibn Khuwaylid. Of course, as Zubair ibn al-Awam. Al-Awam ibn Khuwaylid is also the brother of our mother Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Okay, so the, now this is getting very close. Not only is she like the sister of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, even though she's actually his aunt, she is married to, she is the sister-in-law of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, the wife of the messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So she's uh, she's really close to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam now, not just through her blood, but also through her marriage. Her and Al-Awam ibn Khuwaylid had three sons. They had Az-Zubair, they had As-Sa'ib, and they had a young boy named Abdul Ka'bah who died uh, very young. When Al-Awam died, Az-Zubair and As-Sa'ib were just young boys. And so Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha would actually raise her kids as a single mom, which is again going to factor quite a bit into her personality. Now you look at the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he knows that experience alayhi salatu wasallam. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was tested in what? His mother also passed away when he was six years old. So you find multiple you know, stories of people whose fathers passed away due to war, due to battle, due to, due to the difficulties of the trade routes that they would go out. Some of them would die on the way to or from Asham or from Yemen when they would go out. But with the Prophet wasallam, you see that he lost both of his parents, والسلام, his father before he was even born. And of course, his mother, Amina, when he was only six years old, so Safiya knows this environment and Safiya did not remarry after Al-Awam. So she decided to raise her 
two sons, her two boys, by herself, as Zubair being the oldest. Now, what type of tirbaya, what type of attitude does she bring to her parenting? And that's what is going to feature most prominently in the story of Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. It is actually her discipline, her discipline. She was worried about Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu being treated cruelly as an orphan in that society. This is so important, so important that she did not want her son as Zubair to be treated differently, to be disadvantaged because he was an orphan. And as you look in the Quran and you see in the Sunnah of the Prophet the emphasis on honoring the orphan, that's because of the way that orphans were overlooked and mistreated in that society. So she wanted as Zubair anhu to be independent, to be strong, to be courageous, to be intelligent. Uh, so her whole uh, mothering of Zubair was a very involved mother, a single mother that, that, that lives for her child, that, uh, you know, that, that spends everything she has on Zubair that takes him out to learn uh, the, the, uh, the arts of, of war as a young child. So it was, a Safi, it was Safiya that was going out and taking him out, also summoning uh, Nofal ibn Khuwaylid, the other brother of Khadija عنها, who was still alive, so the uncle of Zubair to take him out to make sure that he got the exposure of any young man in that society so that he would be strong, so that he would be intelligent, so that he would be courageous, so that he'd be able to handle the pressure of being an orphan. And subhanAllah, one of the, you know, as you start to read these stories about you know, how, how rough she was on Zubair, and how uh, how involved she was in his life, and the way that she you know she tried to instill a great sense of courage in him and the disciplining, uh, you find these lines of poetry. And Safiya, radiAllahu ta'ala anha, was truly a poet. Poet. You can find many poems from Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, radiAllahu ta'ala anha. And one of the things that happened is that uh, Nofal uh, ibn Khuwaylid, uh, who we will learn about. Um, you know, in a bit, Nofal tells Safiya that, you know, you discipline him as if you hate him. You discipline him as if you hate him. And that was very offensive to her. You know, how dare you say I, I discipline him because I hate him? Of course, I don't hate him, right? That this type of parenting in this rough society, I had to make sure that he was able to handle himself. So she responded to her brother-in-law, Nofal, uh, who was, of course, the, the brother of uh, her husband who had passed away, she responded to him with these lines of poetry. She said, Man qala qad faqad kathib. Whoever claims that I hate my own child has lied. Wa yalib. And I hit him so that one day he can grow up and he can be strong. Lub is like intelligent. He can handle himself. He can, he can, uh, he can uh, you know, uh, fend for himself in this society. And not only am I doing it for him, but one day he will defeat armies all by himself and return victorious with the spoils of battle. That's why I'm so rough with him, right? Now, obviously, you know, this is the days of ignorance. There are, there, there, there is the, the, the roughness of society to the orphan. And there is clearly, uh, you know, for the sake of historical accuracy here to mention it, right? There's clearly a roughness that Safiya had with Azubayr that the Prophet would not recommend a parent to have with their child, but it's to understand the mindset and the environment that Azubayr was born into. So 
she, she mentions in other lines of poetry, how did you find my son as Zubair? Did you find him to be a fruit or did you find him to be a falcon, right? She wants him to be strong. She wants him to be courageous. She wants him to fight, uh, you know, uh, for himself to, to defeat armies and uh, to not be intimidated by anyone. Now, of course, uh, subhanAllah, never did she expect that she was raising a Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu to be so intelligent, strong, and courageous that he would challenge her with Islam. So subhanAllah, this was uh, you know, quite uh, an incident when a Zubair comes home at the age of 13 years old and a Zubair says that I have accepted Islam. I've accepted the religion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and gone against all of my uncles and the whole family of uh, Abdul Muttalib and gone against every everyone and everything in this society to follow what I believe is the truth, the truth of Islam. She was raising him so that he wouldn't be bullied by other kids, so that he wouldn't be mistreated and overlooked. SubhanAllah, here is the strong personality of a Zubair, and it's the strong personality of a Zubair anhu, that she had a great deal to do with that caused him to accept Islam despite the bullying and the torture that would come his way. So she come, so, so Zubair comes home and tells his mother that I've accepted Islam. And she argues with him. And, you know, uh, there isn't much here to, to really uh, to read explicitly, uh, but it could be. Allah knows best, right? That as she's trying to protect him from society, right? You're already an orphan. You already don't have your father. You don't have any older brothers to take care of you. Now you're gonna go out there. You're gonna join this religion of outcasts. You're gonna be dealt with even more harshly. So she tried to fight him to not become a Muslim when he came home and said that he was a Muslim, not because she hated the Prophet because she loved her son. And this is something, by the way, I want you to note, when we're talking about Sa'ad radiallahu anhu and his mother going out and saying, I'm gonna starve myself, a hunger strike, and I'm, I'm not going to comb my hair. I'm gonna let the lice uh, destroy me so that you leave Islam. These mothers were doing that because they thought they were loving their children. They thought that the best way to protect their children was to protect them from, at that time, Islam itself. And Allah spoke to the sincerity of that, but said, do not obey them when they tell you to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she's not doing this out of a hatred for her nephew who was more like her brother Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. She's doing it to try to protect her son Az-Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And it's a misguided form of trying to protect him. So what does she do when she can't get Az-Zubair radiallahu anhu himself uh, to reject this new religion of his? She calls the same uncle who used to uh, you know, tell her that you're too rough on your son and she tells him to uh, punish him, to do what you need to do to get him now to relinquish this religion of his. And this uncle is Nofal once again. Nofal had a, a horrible way um, of torturing Az-Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, which we will talk about inshallah ta'ala when we talk about Az-Zubayr radiallahu anhu. But uh, I want to focus this lesson, this first lesson on Safiya herself. So Nofal comes in. And Nofal, his uncle, is the torturer of Az-Zubair uh, So what changed with Safiya uh, How long did she hold out with her Islam? As I said, this is an outlier of the episodes thus far because we've been talking about people who embraced Islam in the first batch. She accepted Islam the day that Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib became Muslim. There's a lot to say about that. When Hamza became Muslim, it was a game changer. The ultimate game changer was Umar bin Khattab becoming Muslim. When Hamza became Muslim, that was the first, uh, the first step uh, towards what would be that ultimate 
you know, ability uh, to, to stand behind Umar al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu and come out and declare their Islam proudly. So when Hamza takes the religion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Hamza pops Abu Jahl and, and tells him that I'm on the religion of my nephew, uh, that was the day that Safiya herself would embrace Islam and would come to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to dedicate herself uh, to him. Now, Safiya, as I said, her life revolved around Hamza uh, as much as it revolved around uh, her son as Zubair. She was inseparable from Hamza. She used to clean his clothes. She used to greet him when he returned from journeys. She used to pick his uh, his hair for, for any lice. She made hijrah with Hamza uh, عنه, So she loved her brother Hamza عنه, deeply. And we know that Hamza was a legend of sorts in Mecca. He would come home, all the youth wanted to be like Hamza. Uh, she was the one that would immediately greet him and treat him uh, like an older sister, but really like a mother uh, to Hamza uh, and the Prophet was so close to her uh, as she now had embraced Islam. He was so close to her that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed وَأَنذِرْ uh, to, to, to warn those who are closest to you from your relatives first, who did the Prophet call out to? He stood up and he called out Ya Fatima bint Abdul Muttalib, Ya Safiyyatu bint Abdul Muttalib, right? He mentioned Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha and then he mentioned Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha and then he mentioned alayhi salatu wasalam Ya Bani Abdul Muttalib O children, O family, descendants of Abdul Muttalib Ask me whatever you want from my wealth I'll give it to you but la amliku lakum min Allahi shay'a but look I can't protect you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment You know how much I love you Fatima first and foremost who is from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and who uh, we've already spoken about was was so deeply, uh, you know, uh, was so deeply tied to the heart of the Prophet Sallallahu But the Prophet Sallallahu specifically named Safiya radiAllahu Taala Anha and said, "Ask me whatever you want, but I cannot do anything for you in the sight of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala." So Safiya radiAllahu Taala Anha embraces Islam and she becomes a deeply righteous woman in the life of the Prophet She still never remarries. She maintains her, uh, her, uh, her mothering of Az-Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. She lives with Az-Zubair and Asma bint Abi Bakr, who we'll talk about inshallah ta'ala separately. May Allah be pleased with them. And she makes the hijrah to Al-Madinah. And Safiya uh, was, was no uh, ordinary woman, all right? So we talk about Safiya trying to raise Az-Zubair to be able to fend for himself. Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha was a woman that would walk around with a dagger or a sword herself and would uh, seek to defend the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and has you know her prominent stories in that regard. First and foremost it's Uhud. Um, Uhud is, is such a, a, a difficult um, uh, topic subhanallah because when you go to Uhud and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has blessed uh, us when we do Umrah or Hajj. May Allah azawajal write it down for all of us. You get to go to Uhud and you visit the shuhada of Uhud. And Hamza radiallahu anhu, of course, is the most prominent of the shuhada, Sayyid al-Shuhada, uh, the leader of the martyrs of Uhud. Uh, Uhud was, was a harsh day for the Muslims. And since we just finished, uh, for those left behind, uh, this story actually ties in quite a bit to the theme of for those left behind. When 
the news of how many people had been killed in Uhud uh, came forth when, when people could see from a distance the tens of bodies that were laying there. Uh, the women came running to the battlefield to see their dead ones. And the Prophet وسلم, remember how much he loved Hamza and the way that he cried over Hamza when the And the Prophet himself almost died in Uhud, but when the Prophet وسلم, saw the body of Hamza, one of the first things he thought about, he calls Az-Zubair and he said, Dunak ummuk. He said, go get your mother from Na'ha and don't let her come here. Do not let Safiya come and see the battle, the body of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. I can't have her see what was done to the body of Hamza. Of course, Hamza was not radiallahu ta'ala anhu just struck by the spear of Wahshi, but his liver, his body opened, his liver chewed uh, by Hind as well, the wife of Abu Sufyan, Hind bint uh, Umayyah. Uh, what she did to the body of Hamza. So the Prophet ﷺ tells Zubair, go stop her in any way that you can. Make sure that she does not make it to where I am right now. I don't want her to see what has been done to her brother Hamza anhu, who was you know, so important to her. So as Zubair goes out to run and to stop her, to stop Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, and what is she doing? She's moving forth with, with, with a dagger in her hand and she's yelling at the men. She's saying, Did you flee from the Messenger of Allah? What is wrong with you all? She's condemning the men for fleeing from the side of the Prophet How could you do that? How could you all flee from the side of the Messenger? So she's holding a, a dagger and actually in the narration of Hisham, the Urwa, she was holding a spear in her, in her hand. Uh, she was throwing a spear towards the other side. Um, so she's very emotional and she's walking right to the center of the battlefield at this point. And the Prophet ﷺ is telling Zubair, go stop her. Zubair um, goes to her and, and, and tells her mom, stop. And she keeps moving forward. Zubair grabs her arm, says, mom, stop. And she pushes Az-Zubair and she says, Ilayka anni, get away from me. And she keeps on going forward. Az-Zubair keeps on saying, Ya Ummah, oh my mother, please stop. And she keeps on saying, Ilayka anni. He's begging her to stop. And then finally, he says, Ya Ummah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam commands you to stop. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam commands you to stop. Not your nephew, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, no. I'm, I'm telling, I'm not saying this for myself. I'm saying the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying to you to stop. As soon as Zubair said that it's from Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, look at this woman's taqwa, her piety. She says, Sam'an wa ta'a. She says, I hear and I obey. So she stopped. She froze when Zubair said that this was an order from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And she says to Zubair radiallahu anhu, she says, She said, but I heard that Hamza was killed. And she says, if that's the case, She said, look, if that's the case, I will be patient and I'll seek the reward. So I just want to go see Hamza as well. I want to see if Hamza is okay, right? Because that's her concern as well. So when Zubair uh, confirmed um, that indeed Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu had passed away. Um, she started to cry and she started to seek Allah's forgiveness. And eventually she was allowed to come up to the body of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu in the battlefield. And subhanAllah, the narration says she stood all the way until the late night 
over his body and what was she saying? SubhanAllah, for those left behind, Allahu Akbar, as much as she loved him. She, she kept on repeating, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Certainly to Allah we belong and to Allah we returned. Allahumma khfir lahu, Allahumma khfir lahu, Allahumma khfir lahu. So she kept on saying, oh Allah forgive him, oh Allah forgive him, oh Allah forgive him. And then she kept on saying, Allahumma inni ahtasibuhu indak. Oh Allah, I seek his reward from you. Ahtasibuhu indak. I'm seeking the reward for uh, for, for this, this loss with you, Ya Allah. Like it pained her that much. And she even had, she brought the kafan that would be used for Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. SubhanAllah. So you see uh, truly a, 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 a heart that is connected uh, to uh, her brother Hamza radiallahu anhu, Sayyid al-Shuhada. But you see also an exemplary way of, uh, of grief. As much as she loved Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, she said all the right things. She said, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un, that to Allah we belong and to Him we return. She made uh, istighfar for him. She sought forgiveness for him. She looked up to the sky and she said, Allahumma inni ahtasibuhu indak. Oh Allah, I seek his reward with you. I seek the reward of this pain uh, with you, Ya Allah. So that is her relationship to Hamza uh, ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this woman's strength um, does not show more than another incident that happens in the Khandaq. Now, when the Khandaq happened, when the Battle of the Trench happened and the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, of course, himself starved, he was uh, you know, pushed to the extreme as were the companions that had to dig that trench in such a short amount of time with such limited resources and to fight off the largest army that they had ever seen that was coming to attack them. And of course, what also happened to make things worse was that some of the people on the inside, the hypocrites and some of the the, uh, the tribes on the inside, Banu Quraidah, Banu Qaynuqa, Banu Nadir, had conspired with those that were coming from the outside, with the Meccans that were coming from the outside, along with the hypocrites of uh, Ibn Ubay bin Salul, uh, to, uh, to attack from the inside. Now, when that happened, Hassan ibn Thabit عنه, has this narration. Hassan ibn Thabit, was a poet and he was not a warrior. So Hassan could not be in battle the way that others could. He was a poet. His way of contributing to the battle was with his tongue. And so he was with the women, the children and the elderly and they were uh, they were holed up. And there were two men from Banu Quraida that had come and they had people behind them to attack, to ambush. And they were trying to find out if there were any men that were amongst that group of women, children, and elderly uh, there, and they wanted to see if they were armed or not. Look at this woman. Now, Sophia bint Abdul Muttalib, as we said, is around the same age as the Prophet right? So she's, you know, she's not a young woman here, okay? Uh, Hassan ibn Thabit mentions that she pushed him to go forward to fight the man that was coming to check. And Hassan ibn Thabit froze up. He said, look, I can't fight. Uh, if I could fight, I would be in the battlefield. I wouldn't be here with you. And Hassan froze up. He didn't know what to do in those moments. So what does she do? Safiya grabs a pole, okay? And she hides behind the door and she, she waits for the man uh, from Banu Quraida to sneak in. When the man sneaks in, Safiya hits him with the pole and single-handedly she kills him Okay, Safiya radiallahu anha kills him. And then not only that, she takes the body of the man 
and she throws it out over, uh, over the, you know, the way the narration indicates is that they were on a rooftop of sorts. So she throws out his body and Hassan is, is narrating this whole thing over. And so when his body, his dead body was thrown over, the others assumed that there was an army that was on the inside and they all fled. There was only Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha. SubhanAllah, I mean, that is the strength of this woman that she single-handedly protected that entire fortress because of her courage, uh, she made them think that an army was actually uh, was actually there. So this is the woman that produced Az-Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and it will make sense why uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he heard this, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna Safiya, that's Safiya. Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib is not like any other uh, person. She is her own uh, her own ummah in that sense. She's her own army. She's her own strength. Subhanallah. And, and look at what uh, how how she was able to utilize that strength in some of the most difficult uh, moments. And that's why Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu is Ibn Safiya. The Prophet sallallahu would call him the son of Safiya because he was like his mother. He inherited the strength and the courage of his mother. And Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha continued to live with Zubair and Asma bint Abi Bakr. May Allah be pleased with them. And Asma uh, uh, considered Safiya to be like a mother to her uh, as well. When the Prophet ﷺ passed away, there are several um, poems that are attributed to Safiya eulogizing the Prophet ﷺ, something very beautiful. Uh, she described the Prophet ﷺ as a sun that is wrapped up in darkness, yet still somehow shining. A sun that is wrapped up in darkness, yet still somehow uh, shining, referring to the light of the Prophet ﷺ and the, the, the light of guidance that he brought to uh, this world. So Safiya radiallahu anha, she lived through that. Uh, the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. she lived in Al-Madina throughout the Khilaf of Abu Bakr and then in the Khilaf of Umar bin Khattab, she passed away and Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu prayed janazah upon her and she was buried in Al-Baqir there in Al-Madina. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib radiallahu ta'ala anha, the one aunt that we know for sure that embraced Islam and that truly, um, you know, put forth her, her, her all, gave her all uh, in, in the most courageous of ways and produced the man that we will be talking about inshallah ta'ala next time, which is Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. May Allah be pleased with her and accept all of that on her behalf, her children, her grandchildren, and the example that she leaves behind for us all. Allahumma ameen. Inshallah ta'ala, I will see you all next time. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.